0: We are back in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we've already preached through the first five chapters of this uh, wonderful letter to the church at Corinth. If you missed any of those, you can go to our website at fogkc.com, and you can hear them there. Today, we're going to look at chapter 6. So we're going to talk today about courting lawsuits. Get it? Courting lawsuits. It'll come to you at lunch today. You'll love it. It'll be really funny then, okay? Okay. The reason we're talking about this is because Paul's going to talk in chapter 6 about how the church is actually suing one another, and he's going to talk about how they take each other to court and what that means and what that looks like and and why they shouldn't be doing that. But before we get to that part, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had an old car? Have you ever had an old car that that maybe is not very reliable, and and sometimes it'll start making sounds, and you go, oh my, what does that sound? Or maybe it begins to smoke a little, maybe like this. You know, and, smoke a little, and, and, and you go, oh, my, something's definitely wrong. Well, here's the thing. When you have a car that smokes like this, uh, that should tell you something. That tells you that there's something deeply wrong somewhere in the engine of your car. And uh, I don't know much about uh, vehicles at all. I know where the gas goes. I know where the oil goes. And I kind of know how to change a tire. And I know how to call AAA, and that's about it. But I do know that if your car is smoking like this, you're in big trouble. Well, Paul's going to basically talk to them about, uh, to the church about lawsuits and how they are suing one another. But I want you to really pay attention today because what he's going to do at the end is say, here's how you deal with the lawsuits. Here's the specifics of that. Here's how that works. But listen, that is a symptom of something much deeper. There's something going on that's much bigger even than you suing one another. So let's look at chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. That's what we're going to go through today. Let me read the entire passage, and then we'll come back and take it apart piece by piece. Here's what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. It says, when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother and that before unbelievers to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, listen, if you're already upset over what it said, I just want to remind everybody once again these are not the words of Fellowship of Grace, these are not the words of Michael Porter. These are God's words, and they are to be adhered to. And we disagree with God's words, he is right, and we are wrong, and we need to change our thinking. So let's look at six quick points here that I want you to see in this passage that I think will really help us to understand not only how to deal with disputes with each other, but also kind of deal with the underlying factor. The first is this, don't look to the civil law or the authority of the local church, Go back to the passage, in the passage, verse one, it says this, when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Paul does this quite often. He asks a question when he's really trying to point something out. Now, if you remember back in chapter five, Paul addressed sexual immorality in the church and how it should be handled. And if you remember, he talked very specifically about church discipline. He said, listen, the church should handle this. Now he asked the question, when you have disagreements with one another, why do you go to the civil courts rather than the church? Why would you go to the unrighteous instead of the saints? Why would you go and have people who might be far from God dictate your disagreement rather than coming inside and asking the church, to settle that for you. Isn't that the right thing to do? He's he's almost perplexed. He's like, guys, this doesn't make any sense. You're doing this and it doesn't make any sense. Do you realize what you're doing? He says, you people have foolish thinking and it's driving foolish actions that result in behavior that advertises clearly that there is a problem. In other words, he's saying, listen, I see the smoke coming out of the car at the church of Corinth. I see the smoke coming out. You guys are are suing each other in the courts where there's lost people who don't know God deciding for you what's right and wrong. Are you kidding me? And he's saying, listen, we need to deal with the smoke, but then we'll deal with the engine here in a little bit. But he's almost perplexed. He's almost like, what in the world are you doing, guys? Come on. Then he says, if believers can judge eternal things, they can certainly judge civil things, Look back at verses two through four. He says, or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more then matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? He's saying the Bible is clear here. When Christ returns, we will reign with Him as part of His kingdom. Okay, He will share His authority with us to judge angels, and He's saying, "Listen, if these people are going to be someday judging angels with Christ, you really think they can't deserve, You really think they can't discern who, who's at fault in a car accident?" You really think they can't figure out if, if, if Joe and Sam got into a disagreement about the bathroom and how it got fixed up and maybe one guy hired another guy and it didn't get fixed the way he wanted it to? You really think they can't decide that when they're going to decide this? Really? That's the point he's making. He's saying, listen, look at the church's resume. This look at the church's resume. They're going to be judging the world, judging angels. And you won't even let them decide who's at fault in a little trivial matter. Why wouldn't you do this? Why would you go to the civil courts instead of the church? Doesn't make any sense. Because remember what he's already written to them in chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, this is what he said. He said, the natural person, or at least a person who doesn't know God, a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Wow. He's saying, listen, Christians have the mind of Christ in us. We have discernment, we have wisdom, we have compassion. We have the things necessary to decide these kind of trivial cases. No human far from God can have the mind of Christ. And a judge who doesn't know Christ as his savior, with all of the schooling, with all of the experience, with all of the wisdom, cannot compare to the justice that is understood by the mind of Christ. Paul's saying, listen, you're going to the wrong people. When you have a problem with another believer, you should take it to the church. Now, let me just share with you how this should actually work out in real life, because I think that's important. Let's say you do hire somebody. You ask. Uh, let's say you hire a handyman inside our church to come and redo your bathroom. You're going to pay $2,000 to redo your bathroom. And you talk about it, and you figure out what you're going to do, and, and, and you communicate really clearly, and you understand, I think, fully what's supposed to happen. Of course, you don't put anything in writing because you trust each other because you're in the church. By the way, I still think it's good to write stuff down just as a form of communication, okay? Not as a contract, but as a form of communication. But then the bathroom gets redone. You walk in and you go, this isn't anything like we talked about. And he says, yes, it is. That's exactly what we said. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. I'm suing you. No, don't do that. You say, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're either gonna have our community group come over here and decide this for us. Or we're gonna call our pastors and we're gonna have them come over and decide this for us. Now, you know why churches don't do this? You know. Because if a pastor or a pastor's come over here and they say, well, you know, here's the deal and here's the decision, now they both get mad and leave the church because they didn't take their side fully. That's why they don't do it because, but listen, folks, that also is the mind of the world, not the mind of Christ. If you ask good godly people who are trying to be compassionate and fair to come and decide something for you, you just take whatever they say, and it's done. And I know in some of your minds, you're like, no, 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 I want my money. I want want it done right. I want it done the way I want it done, and I've already, listen, if you're thinking that way, hang on, we'll get to you. We'll get to you in a minute. Paul will get to you. But listen, we need to handle that inside the church. And you know what? Even if you hire somebody from another good Bible-believing, God-fearing, Jesus-preaching, gospel-adhering church, let's say you hire a guy from Antioch Bible Baptist Church. I know Pastor Bob. He and I have been friends for 25 years or so. And a good godly man, good godly people that work there, a great good Bible-believing church. Let's say you hire somebody from that church and you come to this church. This place where your your heads are butting against each other about your bathroom. You ought to say, hey, listen, let's do this the way the Bible says. Let me call Pastor Michael, you call Pastor Bob and see if we can't get together and come to some kind of understanding. Now I know that goes against maybe what you want. We'll talk about why that's important in a minute. But folks, we should never, under any circumstances, Sue another believer in the civil courts. I'm not saying if somebody commits a crime against you, you don't let them criminally prosecute them. But God's very clear about this. And and Paul gets a little sarcastic here again. He says, perhaps the problem, the, the reason why you're not doing this, perhaps the problem is there aren't any believers in your midst. After all, you're continuing to let this man have sex with his stepmother, right? Just talked about that in chapter 5. That's what he talks about next. He says, Perhaps you do this because there is no one righteous judge among you. There is no righteous judge among you. You know, this would be a kind of a good reason not to do it. There's nobody at my church godly. Well, listen, if there's nobody in your church that's godly, you need to find another church. <laughs> right? If you can't trust your pastors, or the people in your community group to figure out uh, who didn't do what in a bathroom, man, I, I think you just need to find a better church. That's what it is. Look what it says in verses five and six. It says, I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is, is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers? Come on. Maybe you don't have the judgment of Christ because no one has the mind of Christ. Is that it? That wouldn't be a good reason. Maybe we see all the smoke coming out of the car because there really is something deeply broken and wrong with the car. Now, Paul's not saying that there are no unbelievers in the church at Corinth, but he's saying, listen, the way you act sometimes, I kind of wonder. I mean, this guy's sleeping with his stepmother. He's, she's left his father got to get this all straight. She's left his father and now she's living with him and you guys are doing nothing about it. Maybe you are all unbelievers. Maybe that's the problem. Now before uh, Paul continues this thinking of kind of getting to the heart of the matter, he wants to settle the specifics of bringing lawsuits. And so here's what he says. He says, if you sue other believers, you have already lost because motive is important. If you're suing other believers, even if you win, you lose. Look what it says in verses seven and eight. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. It says even when you take a fellow Christian to court, even when you win, you lose. Now let's think through that for a minute. That sounds okay. It sounds smart, but does it work out in real life? Why do you lose? Why do you lose even if you win? So you hired somebody to do this bathroom for you. They didn't do it right. You take them to court. Uh, you win two thousand dollars in damages. You hire somebody else, and it's exactly like you wanted. Don't you win? You got what you wanted. Don't you win? No, you lose. Why do you lose? Here's why. Because when you go into court and you stand before the judge and you say, well, I asked this guy, to, I hired this guy to, to fix my bathroom. He said, well, how'd you find him? Well, he's, he's a member of my church. Really? And so you hired, yeah. Well, did you write anything down? No, I just, I, I trusted him, but I found out I can't trust him. Ugh. Now, here's this judge, and he may not know Jesus as his Savior. He may be far from God, and he's hearing these two church members go at each other. And the guy you hired is like, no, I did it exactly like he said. I even took notes the moment I left, and I did it exactly like he said. He's lying. This guy is a liar. And by the way, I've talked to other people in my church, and they say he's a liar too. Ooh. Well, I've talked to other people that have hired him, and they said he doesn't do anything right. I should have never hired him in the first place. You see how you're losing? Because you hurt your personal testimony. You hurt the testimony of the church. You think a judge who's far from God would go, here's what what we'd be thinking, man, I don't know what church these people go to, but I hope I never go there. And you know he's gonna ask, because he's gonna stay as far away from that church as he possibly can. You hurt other people's reputations. You damage the relationships of the body. Because guess what? When you start talking to people and, hey, this guy, hey, this guy did this to me. Hey, this guy, did he do it to you too? Yeah, okay. And I'm going to start collecting people on my side. And the guy that I hired, he's going to be over here collecting people on his side. You see what's happening? We're creating divisions in the church. It's the very first thing that Paul talked about when he wrote to the, the church at Corinth. You shouldn't be having these warring factions among you and now we're gonna sue each other and build up our team. Most of all, most of all, you hurt the reputation of Jesus because people in that courtroom will say, well, I don't know much about Jesus, but it's clear he doesn't make a difference in their lives. It's clear to me that nothing's different about them They're here just like I am. And we've hurt the reputation of Christ. You might win cash, but you'll win cash at the cost of relationships and reputations. Now, I don't know what your reputation, the reputations of your brothers and sisters in Christ, and what your relationships are worth to you, but they're worth a whole lot more than a couple of grand. Paul says in this passage, I left it up there. Paul says in this passage, wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be better just to suffer wrong? Wouldn't it be better for you to just go, I'm out two grand? I don't hurt the church. I don't hurt the reputation of Jesus. I don't hurt my own reputation. I don't hurt the reputation of others. And I'm just out to... Wouldn't it be better to do that? Wouldn't it be better to be defrauded? Wouldn't it be better for you to just get taken? And then he says, but you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers. How does he know that? Because here's the point. Usually when we take somebody to court, it's for a wrong motive. Now, not always. Don't swing the pendulum to the extreme. Not always. But I don't know if you've ever gone to court or watched some court proceedings. I've had a reason to watch several court proceedings for others and, and situations that are going on to help others or to testify for them or whatever. And it is amazing how many people are in there because I'm, I'm gonna, he did me wrong. I'm going to get him back. I'm going to get him back for what he did to me. He took my two grand and he put in $300 worth of stuff in my bathroom, and I'm getting him back for that. I'm going to make him pay for what he did. In fact, some people want to win at all costs. In fact, I don't even care about the money. I just want to go there and prove I'm right. I just want the judge to look and say, You're right. So I can look at him and say, I told you you were wrong. We're full of pride. We're full of materialism. We're doing things that are completely self-serving. And folks, all of those characteristics are contrary to our Savior and his character. Jesus teaches us, when people wrong us, turn the other cheek. Jesus says to repay evil with good not vengeance. Jesus teaches us to love one another, even those who persecute us. Not just don't do our bathrooms right, but persecute us. Jesus teaches us that when somebody asks something from us, we give it to them and more. You see, the character of Christ is very opposite the character to sue your brother or sister in Christ. Almost every motive that would cause us to go to court with another Christian is in direct contradiction to the character of Christ. Now, let me make sure that you understand something here. This does not apply, this does not apply to unbelievers, and it does not apply if you are going to sue somebody uh, like a corporation. Let's say that uh, you have a child with a, a, a deep sickness, a terrible sickness, and the insurance company, for some reason, doesn't want to pay up. And, and you have an attorney that says, well, they should be paying up. But it's within the, the realm of the insurance policy. They should be paying up, so you're going to file a lawsuit against the corporation. Okay, this is not talking about that. It doesn't, it doesn't say that all lawsuits are always bad for any reason. It's not saying that. And listen, if, if you get into a dispute with an unbeliever, you hire an unbeliever to fix up your bathroom, and you come to the place where you're butting heads with them, and you can say, hey, listen, uh, man, uh, I I know we disagree on this a lot, but why don't we go over and talk to my pastor, and whatever he decides, we'll do. You go okay with that? He's not going to go for that. You know he's not going to go for that. Okay? But I want to encourage you to make sure that even if you are involved in a lawsuit for some with some other person who's not a believer or corporation, that your motives don't fall into those that are unchristlike. You you can sue a corporation because you want to get them. They did me wrong, and I'm going to get them back. That's totally different. Totally different than hey, I need these funds to take care of my child. Totally different motive, you see. Look like the same actions, but a totally different motive. So these principles apply all across the board anytime that we have a dispute with someone. So that's how Paul says to deal with the smoke. But now Paul goes on to say there is a deeper problem. There is a reason that you're suing each other. There is a reason that you can't uh, go to your church leaders and have them decide for you. There is a reason that you won't. Allow yourself occasionally to be taken advantage of. And the real problem is not living out the gospel. The real problem is not living out the gospel. Look at verses 9 and 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And by the way, a lot of people in our culture are deceived. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's saying, remember, folks. Remember these. He says this many, many times to many different churches. He says, listen, if these kind of lifestyle lifestyle behaviors uh, uh, characterize you, you probably don't know Christ. How can you know Christ and have a reputation with everyone that you're a swindler? Listen, if every time uh, you mention fellowship of grace, somebody says to you, oh, isn't that that church over there in Parkville? Oh, yeah. Oh, that Pastor Michael Porter, he's a swindler. Man, don't turn your back on him, he'll take you every chance you every chance he gets, he'll take you. If that's the reputation of someone, if that's what characterizes their life, Paul's saying, don't forget. these people don't know God. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now I want to be clear. These are not individual sins that he's naming. Because sometimes people hear this like, oh my goodness, I was drunk a couple of times in college. Does that mean I can't be saved? No, it's not saying that at all. What it's saying is if these are words that characterize who you are, if you have, if people know you as a swindler, if you are deep motivated in practically everything you do to take somebody, every chance you get, you're a swindler. And Paul's saying, listen, if you have this, if this is the thing that motivates you and drives you, you don't know God. He's saying, listen, when you're suing each other all the time, when you get in this sue-happy thing where you're just going to take everybody you can and take everybody for as much as you can, you can't possibly know God. Don't you realize there's smoke coming out of your car at an alarming rate? The real problem is not just lawsuits. It's not living out the gospel. It's living with the same behavior that the world has. Listen, if you can go to a court and you can watch a trial between two believers, and then you can watch the next trial between two people who hate God, and you're like, man, it looks exactly the same. There's a problem, a serious problem. That's all Paul's saying. See, folks, when you do this all the time, it's a, it's a tip-off that something's going on deeper than this. And really what he's saying is, listen, a relationship with Christ should make a difference. It should make a difference in how you behave. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus, that should change things. should make a difference. In fact, he goes on one step and he says, Listen, the root problem, the real problem is not leaving out the gospel, but the root problem, even deeper than this, the real root problem is not understanding what Christ has done in us. Look at verse 11. And such were some of you, see the past tense, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. He's saying, listen, before you knew Jesus as your savior, you were like this. I would have expected you to be like this. You had no power to overcome these things in your life at all. But listen, when you gave your life to Jesus, he transforms us. His spirit comes into us to drive us to righteousness. Do we perfect it on this earth? No. But should people notice a difference? Absolutely. There should be a huge difference in the way we think, in the way we're motivated, in the way we behave, in the way we talk, in the the priorities we have. All of those things should change. And Paul's saying, listen, when you guys are suing each other like this, the problem is You aren't living out the gospel, and you want to know why you're not living out the gospel? Because you may not know Jesus, or you've forgotten what he has done for you. He's going to drive us back to this several times in the book of 1 Corinthians. Because for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, for those of us who have realized that we are sinners, that we can't stop sinning, and, and by what Jesus did on the cross, by giving of his body and his blood, being killed, being buried for three days, and then rising from the grave, by putting our faith and trust in what he did to save us from our sins, we are transformed. We don't join a club of people with life insurance, with fire insurance. That's not what it is. We, we enter a relationship where Christ is transforming us from the inside out. Do we perfect it? No. But it should be different. When we act this way, Paul's saying the reason is because we think this way. And it's possible that we are this way. Now, Paul's not trying to convince all of us uh, that we don't know Jesus. He's not trying to convince everybody in the Corinth church that has brought a lawsuit that they are far from God and they don't know Jesus. What he's saying is, listen, if you are practicing this kind of behavior, you ought to take a serious look in the mirror. If you claim to know Jesus as your Savior, but you're suing your brothers in court, you're hurting your reputation, their reputation, the reputation of the church, the reputation of Christ himself, and you don't care, perhaps it's because there's no transformation that's happened in your life. You might want to evaluate. All he's saying here which is huge, (laughs) is if your car is smoking like this, you better get it checked out. You better find out what the problem is quick, and you better fix it. If your life is reflecting consistent, unrepentant sin, we really should self-examine about our relationship with Christ. If you have been here today and heard this, and you're like, well, at least I don't sue everybody. But man, there's a couple of things that I do on a pretty consistent basis. Frankly, I'm not trying to stop. Frankly, I'm gonna embrace those sins. You need to go home and look in the mirror and just say, God, do I even know you at all? Is it possible that I've deceived myself? Is it possible that maybe the reason there's no change in my behavior from before is that i haven't had any transformational encounter with jesus we find no one no one ever in the new testament who puts their faith and trust in jesus whose life is not radically changed do they become perfect no do they stop sinning no but are their lives radically changed because of jesus in their life in the gospel yes a hundred percent. So what Paul's saying here is, here's the, here's the issue with, with lawsuits. Don't do it. Here's why. Da, 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 da. But listen, folks, if you've got a problem like this, you better find out what's really causing the car to smoke this bad because it could mean the difference in whether you know Jesus or not and where you spend eternity. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for your word and your spirit that guide us and teach us. Father, forgive me where I have failed you. God, help us all to face the truth about who we are and to beg for your help, to beg for your forgiveness, to relate to you in a more complete way that our lives might be transformed in an even greater way. Father, we love you. We pray that you would help us as we continue life that when we, become, we get into a, dis, a dispute with some other believer, that we go to the church, that we do this the right way, that we get some kind of resolve without hurting our reputation or others or the churches or, God forbid, even your reputation. Help us, Lord. We want to make you famous for the right reasons. We want to make you famous in this city and in this county and in this world. Because you have loved us enough to send your son, Jesus, to die for us. Help us not make you famous for the wrong reasons. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.